Welcome to episode 92 of New Indian Woman podcast airing first in early August 2023 and I am your host Krishna. Hi friends, today we have uh, Ms. Jis Sebastian as a guest for the New Indian Woman podcast. Uh, she is a PhD, an ecologist based in Kerala. She has worked extensively in plant and animal ecology in the Western Ghats, uh, the Western and Eastern Himalayas of India. She has been involved in research and conservation of natural resources with communities for one decade now. Her interest lies in forest ecology, agroecology, sustainable community building, natural building and women and environment. So lot of new terminologies for us, uh, Jess, but we will wait to hear more from you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All this terminology of forest and ecology, agroecology, these are new terms for us. And for me, the gist of it is, you are someone who has worked in the forests of Western Ghats, Western and Eastern Himalayas. What a combination that itself kind of points as to what kind of challenges you may have faced. So before even we get into all of that, could you tell us what you do now in the context of your profession? Okay. And in terms of understanding, making it easy for a lay person like me. Okay, okay, of course. I'm currently uh, working as a research associate at uh, the Tropical Botanical Garden and Research Institute in Trivandrum. Uh, before that, I have been uh, uh, working on my uh, doctoral research and I completed that a year back. During my doctoral research, I worked on the ecological requirements of orchids in the forest of Kerala. Following that, through my current position, I am having an opportunity to develop utilization prospects of uh, native and hybrid orchids for the farmers engaged in horticulture. I mean, professionally, this is what I am right now engaged in. And I read somewhere that most of us know orchids as the fancy flowers. Apart from them being fancy, they are an indicators of climate yeah, yeah. Uh, change. Okay. Yes. Uh, here, my question again is, when we say research, in our minds, we will have people wearing white coats, sitting in labs, pouring over yes. uh, some microscope or whatever lab equipments, etc., Right. When I was preparing for this episode, all the photos that I saw on the net about you is about you working in the field, planting okay. somewhere, sitting somewhere, doing something, never in some office. So this kind of a research, yeah. can you just introduce us to what that kind of research actually means, the nature of work you do in a typical day? All right, all right. I have been working in the forest for uh, more than a decade now. It's hmm. like uh, It's been 12 years now. So I was actually blessed with uh, a number of opportunities to work in the Kashmir Himalayas and the Eastern Himalayas and the Western Ghats and everywhere. Being a student of forestry, it's like it's a super exciting <laughs> uh, work that you could ask for, you know, to work in different kinds of uh, different types of forest in the country. Mm -hmm. So I really had that opportunity 
when you work in the forest or when you study forest ecology you get to you address the interrelationships between uh, different kinds of plants or the relationships uh, plants and animals share or um, also the kind of uh, uh, you know the requirements plants have uh, in terms of their habitat or climate or soil conditions hmm. so that's what basically ecology is i have been uh, focusing on uh, this particular plant group called orchids for the last 6 uh, 7 years i studied uh, like how these orchids are choosing their habitat based on what what are the characters or what are the uh, characters of trees that they prefer you know or what are the like um, habitat conditions that uh, allow them to survive uh, or to establish a successful colony there are a number of uh, variables that work together to uh, create a wonderful habitat for uh, orchids and also for other plants Uh, but orchids are like very important uh, because they have got this uh, very specific nature very they have got their specific preferences towards uh, uh, some kind of ecosystems or some kind of climate or some micro habitat conditions mm. because of these preferences they become very choosy and then uh, if there is climate change happening or you know uh, in a particular forest we can uh, uh, use this orchids as an indicator to study what are the changes happening in that ecosystem Hmm. so uh, they become a perfect tool for uh, uh, climate uh, related studies so i have been studying them for uh, uh, some time now and uh, also i've been able to come up with uh, very interesting uh, findings and uh, especially in a scenario where uh, this is one of the least studied area hmm. in the plant ecology in india and what does it mean when you st- study in the yeah. forest that means long hours of observation Oh, trekking, yes. walking through the forest area. Yes, yes, yes. I am sure yeah, orchids yeah. grow all over on the top of the tree, so you will have to climb up, maybe. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, I studied uh, the orchids that grows on trees, and they are called uh, epiphytic orchids. But there are also orchids that grows on ground. Hmm. So, like to study epiphytic orchids that grows on trees, you obviously have to climb trees. Uh, sometimes you can access them like while standing on the ground, but it's not always possible, especially in Western Ghats where you have these huge trees. so mm-hmm. we'll have to uh, learn how to use uh, how to use uh, simple rock techniques and there are a number of techniques that you can use to access the canopies and also it's like very tiring and time consuming process because uh, like if you're just standing on the ground and looking up and scanning the tree canopy it it takes a lot of time for you to just you know uh, scan one single tree and uh, because you'll have to look at each branch you'll have to count the number of orchids there and uh, you have to take measurements and it's actually like uh, i mean if you start from 6 in the morning it can go up to like you know like 6 pm in the evening so it's it, it's My pretty time consuming and tiring job tiring and maybe it also demands a lot of patience right Yes of course of course and so I mean it's also funny to think because in uh, in the western cuts especially during uh, monsoons you have like this hundreds of uh, hundreds of thousands of leeches just crawling on your feet <laughs> so uh, and you'll be just recording the data so you won't be even able to just remove them so you'll have to just 
you know, <laughs> stand still for them oh <laughs> and take your data. And at yeah. the end of the day, you just go and remove them. By the time you'll have like at least thousands of leeches on your features. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, uh, I mean, it's funny experiences, but uh, yeah. So you actually, I mean, it takes a lot of uh, uh, courage and, uh, you know, it's it's physically very demanding. Unless you have that passion, it's, it's very hard for one to pursue that. <laughs> okay. So talking about passion. So if we just... Um, rewind a bit and go to when you started feeling this inclination to learn more about trees i understand you you wanted to do this uh, or you realized you want to focus or study more about trees when you were really young when you were in school or um, plus 2 equivalent around that age Yes, yes, yeah, right, you're right. Actually, like, uh, I come from a village in Kerala, so I had this beautiful childhood, you know. It's, I mean, the villages were very pretty and it was very organic, natural and full of, I would say, very rich. I mean, by rich, I mean, uh, you know, the diversity, you know, mm. life diversity, the tropics offers. Mm. So as a child, I was uh, very happy and I was leading a peaceful life and I was very influenced by the, you know, the richness around Mm. And also, like, my mother, I think she introduced me to all the diversity around. So, like, the it was normal uh, days for me, like, you know, to just walk around in our land and to talk to the birds and squirrels and identify the snakes and all that. So, I mean, it was pretty much part of my daily life. And I think in the process, I got introduced to uh, books and uh, that romanticized a lot of nature. And also, I could read about the environmental struggles and the major environmental activists. And uh, also, there were some very nice teachers who introduced, uh, uh, you know, this subject to us. And also, I, ha- I remember, like, I used to take evening walks in my village. Mm. So, I could identify the trees there and I was I, mean, I, st- I can still remember the trees in <laughs> where they are and uh, the uh, brooms you know the paddy fields the brooms and everything when I was a child I was like very fond of my village and the trees there so I realized that I have this incredible you know love towards the trees and then I thought okay maybe I'll study something about trees but as a child I didn't know like what is there to study about <laughs> trees but then yeah when uh, I was I think in uh, 11th or uh, plus one that time I had this wonderful teacher she introduced me to the you know subject of botany and then she was the one told me okay there is something called forestry so maybe you can just try for that so like that's how I just got to know okay there is something called forestry then uh, since then I just knew like okay I'm just going for this. (laughs) That is beautiful to hear because these tropics have been there for millions of years Many people have admired these fields and the richness that they are in terms of diversity, these fields and these um, yeah. forest areas of Kerala and many other places offer. But very rarely have we heard of people who like trees, like the plants around them and opt for forestry. That is rare. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so everybody who appreciated the trees around them went into forestry and into ecology the world would have been a different place altogether so yeah, right. we should all be thankful for people like you but again I want to go back to this particular point and very often in our conversations with women two things come out uh, Jess, where uh, people talk about the opportunities and you were also talking about the opportunities And another is about some teacher who influenced them, which is always nice to hear. 
and these opportunities the himalayas were always there the western ghats were always there but you saw them as opportunities <laughs> and the sufas just read about it in books i wanted to ask about before even we go further into that passion you said you talked about forestry and you decided you would like to do forestry maybe at that point this plus 1 plus 2 that period seems to be the most stressful sometimes especially when one is young and wanting to choose maybe not career but at least in terms of education what should be the focus areas and by default people choose something which will get them into a profession very soon I understand you have a very supporting family you were talking about your mother guiding you etc but still I would also like you to talk about the people and the so called society around us who may have questioned this in terms of what would you do going all the way and because forestry institute which you went to is in Dehradun the other end of the country yeah. and why do you have to go all the way can't you do some course here can't you just be like any other person Uh, were these questions faced by you and how did you handle those at that young age uh, well of course there were questions you know especially from uh, my relatives and the villagers mm. <laughs> because i mean i i'm sure you know like how uh, the villagers they all act like a family only so like, they all come with questions and interfere in your personal life mm. but uh, however my parents both of them were like very cool and uh, they never interfered in my decisions and they always uh, supported like uh, whatever i wanted so that has been uh, i'm i think i'm very blessed in that way but still there were like people uh, like they were able to like kind of influence my parents sometimes so they were like they came especially uh, during that time like nursing was a you know very popular hmm. uh, professional option for uh, especially girls in kerala so like um, there were many questions from like people in the neighbors like why don't you just you know go for nursing and uh, maybe after that you can just go to some countries like uh, hmm. new zealand or australia and then you can just you know have a good life i had a uh, good marks in uh, 10th and plus 2 Yeah, so then I opted for botany. Uh, I I studied botany for my degree, and then I went for uh, forestry. When I opted botany, there were like a lot of people saying, "I mean, botany is like something they thought, or you know, this is the kind of subject that nobody wants to, you know, <laughs> do." So like, I mean, why would she go for a subject like botany? So there were questions, but uh, I mean, I I was always like. Uh, um, pretty stubborn and I still am <laughs> so I mean since uh, 16 I knew that I, what I wanted to do and then I have always been just you know standing on that and uh, I mean I think I'm still I'm doing that today and uh, but it's mostly because I realized today like I have got the right uh, inspirations from time to time mm-hmm. so like starting from I like I said starting from my mother like some teachers like some uh, you know good stories and books and also like some activist uh, and then uh, you know working with some women researchers you know so many things have played uh, this uh, you know inspiration in my life so i definitely think that i mean whatever i have done all these years it's not just me i mean like i mean i have been able to do that only because of the support of uh, you know a number of people around me that is true but yeah. even when there is support the day to day challenges is something you have to go through 
I right. saw, I read in another interview of yours that when you went for this forestry course to Dehradun, that was your first train journey, uh, yes, yes. right? <laughs> All the way from the southern yeah. tip till uh, the north. Tell me, weren't you scared? Right. It, it was scary. It was scary because I had never traveled on a train before. Mm. And, uh, and and the first train journey itself was uh, three days long. So, I mean... And even language, language would be a challenge, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. I... So at that time, I had no clue about any, uh, you know, Hindi. I mean, I just learned, obviously, we learned in school, but mm. we never used the language. So, like, I had no idea how to use uh, Hindi, you know, in actual situations. So, uh, it was pretty tough. And uh, when I was traveling, uh, when I was on the train, I just told my dad, maybe we'll just go back, you know, because I'm scared already. <laughs> so, but then he said, no, I mean, we're not going back. Like, I'll just drop you and I'll go back. <laughs> you manage on your own. <laughs> so, That's nice. So, That's nice. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, but, uh, I mean, it was scary. But, and I think it took me some time to get mm. adjusted to the new culture and language and all that. Like, maybe at least uh, two, three months. And then I was just, you know, totally fine. And uh, and I see, like, I changed completely from there, you know, from mm. the that exposure. Yeah, it, Help me that is always it. always beautiful some of these challenges makes you discover your own hidden parts of your personality right exactly and exactly. for the benefit of the listeners i would share some of the other interviews that i uh, read up uh, while preparing so some okay. of the challenges uh, uh, i wanted to share as conveyed by Jason, some of her other interviews is uh, so while we are talking about her activity in research in fact, in real life, it is across multiple projects with multiple organizations after her studies. And many of them involve trekking across, what do you say, difficult terrains. This question about whether to work in research versus whether to be an activist. Uh, and she talks about living in places where uh, she had to travel for hours along the Brahmaputra River and where you get completely isolated from the rest of the India during the rainy season and uh, observing forests from say 3 a.m. Can you just talk about working with apes which was some research area for you right? Oh yes yes yeah of course. Uh, when I completed my MSc I joined uh, this um, NGO the Wildlife Trust of India which is based in Noida in Delhi. Mm. And uh, so I was so fond of uh, Arunachal Pradesh because I always thought of Arunachal as a, you know, the wildest, <laughs> uh, I mean, the state with, I would say, like 80% of the land is still covered by forest. So mm. I was so crazy about, you know, going there and working. I asked for an opportunity in Arunachal and uh, so I got this wonderful project which was to uh, rescue this uh, uh, stranded hula gibbons in a village and uh, relocate them to a forest. So my task was to just study their behavior and uh, their feeding patterns and their uh, ecology and uh, so that uh, we can come up with a plan to uh, capture them and translocate them. These animals for the most of us who do not know what they are, could you explain what, how big they are and what they look like? Yes, yes. Yeah, so these hula kibbans, uh, they are the like the only ape that is uh, seen in India. So uh, we have got hula kibbans in 
Assam and Arunachal Pradesh. Hmm. Uh, I mean, you can see them on the north and south of Brahmaputra. Hmm. And uh, uh, but uh, according to biologists, there are differences between these two populations. So they can be classified as two subpopulations. Hmm. So I studied the northern uh, population of a Holarkiban, and uh, they look uh, very like uh, you know this uh, orangutans, you know, with hmm. very long hands. and therefore they are very clumsy on ground they can't really walk on ground because they are highly arboreal and they prefer very tall trees and then interestingly they live in families uh, so it's i mean i was very fascinated to see that i mean they were pretty much like a, you know human families they live mm. like husband wife and kids kind of system you know? mm. and they follow this very meticulously and uh, if one dies then uh, the you know the partner mourns uh, this the death for like at least a year mm-hmm. and then only you know they go to another relationship mm-hmm. so it's it's very interesting to see that and uh, so i was uh, very happy to get an i mean to have an opportunity to study on this uh, aids so like my uh, work was actually like uh, they wake up in the early morning like 3 3:30 so uh, i had to be there like to observe them like from the very morning you know from the time they wake up mm. and uh, what are the activities they're doing and then uh, how they where they're moving because they all have got this like uh, tiger has got its own territory these families also have got their own territory mm. so they have a number of trees for their uh, this particular family and they'll just move around that area until uh, they'll feed on a particular tree they'll rest on a particular tree and they just play around in some uh, specific trees so they have got uh, an area for themselves what happened there was uh, like this particular village was very forested but later uh, with developments things have changed a lot of people from uh, assam and nepal have come in uh, to these villages and uh, they started uh, doing more agriculture they were slowly removing some trees and then uh, all these uh, patches they became like very small and they were like disconnected uh, from one another so like uh, these families of uh, gibbons suffered at the end they i mean their area got like reduced day by day and they had to be like you know totally isolated sometimes they were like completely isolated in a single tree in such situations they were had to be like uh, rescued from that village and then had to be had to uh, be relocated into a forest so that was uh, the project about don't feel bad about this question i am somebody yeah. who is scared of all animals okay so i am at the other okay. extreme but tell me yeah. didn't you feel scared yeah. at all they are wild actually <laughs> they are very wild uh, although they, they live in the village they are very wild when you are very close they can be uh, very aggressive at times but the thing is uh, if you study primates you'll know that uh, there is a technique that uh, once you start your study you can uh, you'll have to maintain a distance of say 20 meters or 25 meters hmm. or more than that and then uh, uh, over a period of time so you are there every day so over a period of time uh, you can reduce the distance because i mean after a week or two they'll start to just ignore your presence or they can uh, they feel like okay it's some other primate just sitting around no? <laughs> so it's like they'll ignore you but slowly you can uh, decrease the distance and you know go closer and closer when i was studying them uh, i had even gone very close to the the tree it was and i was literally like just below the tree but they were not like uh, you know aggressive they were pretty 
cool with it otherwise uh, if they feel threatened they'll just uh, you know keep moving and uh, they'll just break the branches and they'll just jump around and uh, sometimes they urinate on you and if that uh, falls on your skin sometimes it causes some allergy or itching mm-hmm. on some people so yeah so that's all there a listener you may think that okay so what she got interested in some area which is a new area and so that is her passion she went ahead was stubborn to join that particular course etc and found that as a career option i don't think that is the story because uh, once you go there and within that you have to make choices and the difference is that um, you know there is constant learning lot of challenges we have not even talked through all the challenges that you faced but is the story as simple as you found your passion and you are with it or i was listening to one of the ted talks where you were talking about yeah. your low periods yeah. and uh, yes, i i was yes. very much impressed by you sharing and talking about it which i feel is very important could you share something right. around that yes friends i was really touched by this ted talk just gave what is special about it and what does she have to share with us about her learnings from having lived across the country we will get into those in part 2 of this two part series until then take care remember you are what you want to be and the time starts now